Hello there. This is an incoming transmission from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Welcome to the Credible Nerds podcast. This is the podcast you're looking for. Don't go about your business. Stay here. Well, go about your business and listen, and then you can move along. Move along. And may the force be with you, always. Welcome, everyone, to the Credible Nerds Podcast. My name is Justin, and I'll be your host for this upcoming series of the Bad Batch review show here on the Credible Nerds. Uh, We'll start with Season 1, Episode 1, called Aftermath. This series was recently released on Disney Plus a few months ago. We started watching it when the premiere episode came out and have continued to watch it. We liked it and want to talk about it with you guys. So uh, we want to welcome you guys. My name is Justin. And I will be your host for the series, and we have a new co-host on our show. His name is Aiden. Hi, everybody. So we thought it was a great idea to do a podcast for once, for the first time together. Uh, We've been Star Wars fans since four years old. I started way back in the beginning with episode four, and I took him to his first Star Wars premiere movie, episode three, when he was four. So we've both been in it in the fight since we were four years old, as Cassian Andor would say. But uh, so we've been watching the show from the beginning. We loved it, talk about it all the time, and we wanted to break it down for, with you all. So welcome. Uh, just a couple things to get started with. Uh, this is, like I said, episode one, and it starts out with the Clone Wars logo, and it's in red, and then it quickly burns away and reveals the Bad Batch logo. And the in the intro... It's the, the episode title is red, and I think it's the only one that is red. The rest are a different color. Mm-hmm. And it kind of continues from what we saw in uh, season seven of The Clone War. So it, it alludes that, you know, this is the direct continuation of the story that was wrapped up in season seven of The Clone Wars. And from what we see in this first episode, I'd say that uh, is pretty accurate, and they accomplished their goal in having that segue. And in this episode, it starts off with the the announcer who's kind of given the state of the galaxy that we always saw in every episode of The Clone Wars. And this is the only one that has that Clone Wars style intro of The Bad Batch. So again, another uh, callback to The Clone Wars and indicating that this is you know the next story in this saga. So um how important, or was it important for you, Aiden, seeing that and kind of connecting the two, the two series? And what do you think about that? Well, I loved it because you know I grew up with the Clone Wars, so I know the Clone Wars like the back of my hand, and um, especially with season seven coming out pretty recently, um, I I loved that. And at the beginning of every episode in season seven, they had the red logo, and I love just callbacks to different things and Easter eggs and seeing that was super awesome and just how they transitioned from the Clone Wars where the Bad Batch was introduced in season seven to their own show um, where they, you know, they go from the Clone Wars to, you know, the new era that they're in. Um, And then you see the Clone Wars logo burn away and that's kind of exactly what happens with the, just the Clone War into the Galactic Civil War eventually. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great uh, intro there, I thought. Um, 
so we start off with uh, the Jedi. We see some Jedi and their clone squadron fighting the the droid separatists. So it starts out pre-order 66, sometime during the events of episode three. And they're on the planet Collar. Yeah, Collar. On the planet Collar. It's a new planet. I've never heard of it. So it's probably created just for this this uh, series. And we see Depa Balaba and her Padawan Caleb Doom with their clones. And that was, we saw a glimpse of them in season seven via hologram uh, during one of the Jedi councils there when they're conferring and trying to plan with the war. So we see a little bit of them. And I think that was intentional for season seven. So that also is another link to this, you know, Bad Batch series. But we see them. And Aiden, why don't you explain who Caleb Doom is? We know who Depa Balaba is. I think she's been around since episode one, The Phantom Menace, uh, at least episode two. And so she's been around for a while. We know her. But who's Caleb Doom? So um, by now, there's quite a few animated and just Star Wars series in general. And uh, they have the Clone Wars, and then they also have the Rebels uh, series, which is right before episode four. It's... Um, about the rise of the empire and just uh, everything that happens there and it starts out with a, a, t- a tiny group of rebels and someone named Kanan Jarrus and he's a Jedi and he kind of keeps that secret and throughout the show you kind of find out more about him and in season two I think they go back to Lothal and you find out that his name is not Kanan Jarrus at all that it's Caleb Doom and that he served in the Clone Wars and he saw his master get murdered, and um, from that, he kind of decided to keep his identity as a Jedi a secret, and I'm assuming that that's from this moment right here in the Bad Batch episode one. Yeah. Yeah, so we got some callbacks, and we also got some call forwards, I guess you could say, where they link it to the, the next animated series, at least what we have so far with Star Wars Rebels. So that was good to include it all and you know have it be one continuous story i I like that um so we start off with uh depa balaba and caleb fighting the droids the bad batch shows up as the reinforcements and first caleb doom's like we got our reinforcements and they ask well how many he's like well five of them and they show up and they just turn the tide of the battle and are able to defeat the the clone or they're able to defeat the droid army that's there, and the clones are victorious. So right up front in this first episode, if you hadn't seen the previous episodes of Season 7 of The Clone Wars, um, you get the sense of who they are, what their capabilities are, and why they're um, a special group of elite, an elite force. So that was fun to watch. Um, they So they turn the tide and help them win, and while they're there at the end talking, they get... Um, they mentioned that General Kenobi has engaged with General Grievous, and obviously that's something we see in Episode 3. And Tech, one of the clones, he uh, posits that you know, the Clone Wars are going to be over soon. He speculates that it's going to be over. And so they go off to do something, clean up, do some cleanup, and Caleb Doom goes with them. And while they're separated, all of a sudden we see... Uh, one of the clones, the clone commander, step off to the side, and 
we hear the famous execute order 66. And then all of a sudden the clones turn on Depa Balaba, start shooting at her. And she's trying to def- deflect the bullets. And uh, Caleb tries to come back and help her out, but she's like, she knows she's going to lose at that point. So she just tells him to run and get out of there, which he does. So, and I think one of the cool things, I don't know, is this, it ties it to episode three for you, Aiden, how was this important? Was it fun to see, or was it just like, Oh no, here we go. Order 66 again, or, you know, kind of what was your thoughts on seeing this play out this, this scene? Well, for me, episode three is probably one of the most uh, emotionally charged, you know, just content in all of Star Wars. It You see Anakin go from, you know, this high and mighty Jedi who's, you know, fighting for the Republic and wants peace and justice to someone that's totally converted to the dark side with Emperor Palpatine. So a lot of that emotion that came up in episode three that I still get every time I watch it came up in um, this first episode of The Bad Batch where we see Depa Balaba go from her colleagues and friends as the clones where they're taking orders from her, being totally faithful her, to her, to the one order that Emperor Palpatine gets where they're all firing on her. And something that I always, like you think Jedi are these, you know, invincible people with, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin, they're always fighting tons of droids. And they they tend to get overwhelmed sometimes, but they always make it out. And we always see that the clones are superior. Um, but we never see the Jedi fight after, or fight the clones until Order 66. And that's when you realize that um, the Jedi aren't invincible when they get totally overwhelmed by everybody, especially since it's a surprise attack. It's their friends, the people that they never thought would turn on them yeah yeah it's pretty emotional you know they've been fighting together for three years basically and when you're in the trenches with someone from what i haven't served in the army or anything but you hear stories of how you know that forms a great bond a special bond and then all of a sudden they turn on each other and you know it's like you said a very emotional not like how it ties back to that sequence in episode three where we see all the the clones turn on their Jedi masters and we hear that music. And we also hear it here in this episode that, you know, epic, sad music that, that we hear when the, the Jedi are murdered by the clones. And I, that's another great tie in there. So, but Caleb doom is able to escape and, uh, crosshair and Hunter try and track him down. Hunters are trying to figure out what's going on. And it seems like crosshair, he's, He's saying good soldiers follow orders. We've heard that before in the Clone Wars. So he seems to be a little bit under the influence of Order 66, but not totally. But he wants to, he knows he needs to defeat the Jedi and shoot them. So he's trying to do that while Hunter uh, has no idea about Order 66. So a little conflict there. But Caleb Doom's able to escape and Crosshair had been knocked out and didn't see the escapes. And he suspects that uh, Hunter let him go, which he did. So that sets, sets up things for the later episode in the episode and the series. So just so we know, so that's the intro to what this series is about and what happens. And so we have the, the five members of the bad batch. We have Hunter, who's the leader 
and his um, his special ability, I guess, his enhanced ability is uh, enhanced senses. Then we have Tech, who's kind of the, the nerd of the group. He, he's very intelligent. He's very tech savvy. He's able to look up anything and hack anything. And he's kind of that type of person. And then we have Wrecker, who's very strong. If you need anything broken or lifted or whatever, he's the guy to do it. And then you have Crosshair, who is um, a sharpshooter and can make amazing shots and with his, his weapons. And then we have Echo, who's actually not an enhanced clone, but just a normal clone. He does have some enhancements because if you think back to the Clone Wars, he was captured and hooked up to a bunch of machines. He's been um, enhanced that way. They even say the comment, he's more machine than man. And we've heard that before from episode four regarding Darth Vader. So he kind of has that mechanical uh, limbs and some stuff on his head and apparatuses and things like that. He's, he's a clone, but, um, so that's our bad batch. And we follow them throughout this, this series. We get to know them here a little bit in this first episode and what their capabilities are. Uh, how do you feel Aiden to be introduced? Let's say we hadn't seen the episodes from clone wars. If this was your first introduction. Do you feel like you would get, get enough to understand who they are and what they're about? I think I would understand basically everything except for Echo. Um, if I had watched the Clone Wars minus the episodes in Season 7, I would have no idea what's going on with him. Um, so I would say the episodes from Season 7 are essential to understanding who they are, um, or at least who Echo is. But with the rest of the original Bad Batch, I would say that, you know, especially Tech, he always is explaining who everyone is and what their abilities are and why they're doing what they're doing. So I would say the the original Bad Batch is fairly described except for Echo. Yeah. Yeah, you do need that story because they don't really expound on him that much other than pointing out that he's not a enhanced clone and he's more machine than man. Yeah, that would be confusing. It's a good point. Um, so they they end up going back to Camino after the battle and after Caleb Doom escapes. And the interesting theor- thing here is when they arrive, um, everything's changed. There's more tighter security. There's um, the uh, shock troopers walking around. Everybody's armed. Like there's, but yeah, at the same time they 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 say the war's over, but things are more locked down it seemed like which is an interesting parallel to that and they're carrying they, the bad batch shows up they get off the shuttle and they're carrying this gurney with a sheet over a dead body and we see like a lightsaber fall on the ground and so you can tell it's a jedi and we were speculating when we were watching it you know is that the body of depa balaba that they brought back or is it another jedi there seems to be some, I don't know if confusion the right, is the right word, because I don't think they've really established who it is. And so we were wondering, you know, why why would they have this Jedi there on Kamino? Yeah, there's there's definitely been a lot of speculation as we've done a little bit of research about it. Um, obviously, there's not too much information about this unknown Jedi 
as of right now, and I don't really think there will ever be, um, unless, you know, Dave Filoni comes out and just says it outright, but he's more of someone who likes to keep the mystery a mystery. Um, but I, I personally don't think it's Depa Balaba because of the lightsaber, especially, um, I looked up the lightsaber and the lightsaber that fell out was not, you know, really close to the same. Um, what is kind of the current speculation going around is that it's a Jedi named Rignima, who we see in the Clone Wars healing Yoda, I think in season three or four. Um, but, you know, that's not really concrete. We think so because she was a, a Jedi healer. She was a Jedi consular, so she... Um, was like a Jedi medic, basically. And, you know, Camino is a, a medical facility, basically a scientific um, facility for the Republic. So she would definitely have a place there, you know, maybe healing clones or helping the Kaminoans um, do scientific research on the clones. Um, but beyond that, there's not too much information. That's just our speculation. So why do you think they would have a Jedi there? Why would they bring the Jedi there, you think? Um, the cloning facility. I think either they are... I can't really tell if they're taking it away or if they're taking it too. But if they're taking it away, they're definitely getting rid of the Jedi that they killed. And if they're taking it too, then it's because, you know, probably for some cloning reason. Um but I think more likely they're taking it away because of the fact that, you know, the Jedi were generals of the Republic and that's where the Republic was made. Or at least the Republic army. Yeah. Yeah, some good speculation. It could be, I don't know, I like to think that it's maybe they're bringing, and they could have done it either way, either while before they took it away or while they're bringing it there, getting some DNA samples, trying to figure out how to force clone Kind of like what we saw with, you know, the Force Unleashed, where they clone a Jedi or Star they clone Star Killer to be able to, you know, have a Force user. That's a clone that they can just put out copies and create a, a Force user army. I think that would be cool. But there's nothing definitive about that. We don't know other than what we saw on screen for those few seconds. But a lot of possibilities. It could tie into the Mandalorian. Uh, I know with the Mandalorian, they're trying to. It appears they're trying to gather DNA from Grogu, Baby Yoda, to do some cloning experiments with him. So maybe this is where it started. But um, we'll see. I'm sure it'll be addressed at some point, either with this unknown Jedi or with in the future with uh, the Mandalorian. But, yeah, so they arrive. They report back to to their superiors. And they're there on the in their barracks, just kind of talking about things when they are summoned to a meeting and we see all the clones are there. It's in this big hall and Emperor Palpatine's given his speech about how he was scarred and the Jedi betrayed him. And now the Republic is the galactic empire. That speech that we saw during episode three, and this is an animated speech, but I'm pretty sure it's the same voice track from episode three with Ian McDermott voicing Emperor Palpatine. So that was pretty cool to see, you know, bits and pieces of that in this setting. We can see it on other worlds, not just there at the, in the at Coruscant in the Senate. And during this, you hear the Imperial March theme. So definitely the Empire is in full effect at this point in this series. So 
uh, everything has changed at this point. So as they leave that meeting, they meet up with another main character that's initially when they announced the kind of, they had the poster and pictures and things of, of who's going to be in the show. We knew the bad batch from Clone Wars season seven, but we're introduced to Omega. And when I saw that the promotional material at first, I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> I just didn't know what to expect and was wondering what her role was going to be. So we're introduced to her. She comes up and talks to them. She knows who they are. They don't know who she is. Um, she's apparently a lab assistant to Nala Say because Nala Say comes up. One of the Kaminoans comes up and says, hey, we got to go. She leaves. So your thoughts on Omega, Aiden? What, like before and now, what what do you think? Um, well, for me, I was not really surprised by Omega. Um, it's kind of in the Star Wars television series formula to introduce a young kid to whatever series it is um i was really confused on who she was at first and obviously throughout watching the show i've come to understand exactly who she is and what her purpose well not really what her purpose is but um at first i thought she might be you know a jedi padawan um that i also was a little confused about because I thought she would be killed and also you know I didn't really think that anyone that wasn't a Kaminoan would be a lab assistant um, besides you know the clones but she's a young female kid that's at the end of the Clone Wars so I, I wasn't really sure who she would be and well, let's talk about Omega for a second yeah, um, she's actually, I I don't understand how this works quite yet, and they haven't really said, but she's supposed to be a pure clone. So, first of all, she's not, um, like, genetically enhanced to grow faster, so she's actually older than the Bad Batch themselves, which she says later on in the show. She was there when they were being cloned, so that's how she knows them all by name individually. And also, she's, like, pure Django Fett DNA, which I don't understand because, obviously, Django Fett is a male and she's a female. So, I'm still a little confused there. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe her enhancement is she's a different gender. I don't know. I think there's more. T I think she has other enhancements, but that may maybe that's one of them. Um. So technically, she's Boba Fett's sister. Yeah, essentially. Because Boba Fett's in the same boat where he's an unaltered clone of Django, and it sounds like uh, Omega is. Well, she's a direct clone, but it sounds like she was altered, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. Maybe Django, maybe Boba Fett's altered, and they just haven't explained that yet. I think they would have by now, but so maybe she's. I think, you know, the Boba Fett is the Alpha and she's the Omega. So there's some significance there. They haven't really explained that yet. But I think it's a cool tie-in to, you know, our languages, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. But, um, yeah, so the part where they where she says, I was, I was there when you guys were being created. 
you know, that means she's older, like you said, but yet they're obviously bigger and they aged faster. So age wise, they're definitely more mature than she is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But years alive, she's older, but years growth growing, they're <laughs> older. So it's just this weird situation where they haven't explained anything. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's fun to speculate and talk about it, but uh, it'll be good when they kind of nail that down and let us know this is this is how it is. This is what the deal is with, with her. Yeah, she's definitely super important throughout the entire series or season because, you know, she's constantly getting in trouble with bounty hunters or the Empire or the Kaminoans. So she's obviously got some value to her. Um, the value that we have yet to see is, you know, not there. So hopefully season two yeah, enlightens us. <laughs> yeah, they can't keep us in the dark forever. I think this first season is setting up the, the situation with the Empire, setting up the clones, the Bad Batch, who they are, setting up Omega. We get some interaction between Bad Batch and Omega. So we're, we're given this taste. Okay, this is who they are. This is kind of what how they interact. So it's set up. But at some point, they got to develop characters, develop relationships, which they have to some degree in this season, but not really. We're, we're left with more questions than answers, really. Yeah, which we also saw with The Mandalorian, and lots of those questions, especially about Grogu, were answered in the second season. So I'm hoping, you know, especially with Dave, Dave Filoni, heading both of those shows that we'll see much more of who Omega actually is. Yeah. Yeah. So we just got to be patient. I think they, they realized, you know, a few episodes in maybe more than that as they were creating it and getting some feedback. They're like, Oh, this is going to be pretty good. So let's stretch it out. Cause a lot of these episodes, the, the word filler episode, that term is thrown around a lot. And I see what they're saying. I don't think they're filler episodes necessarily because they do develop character. And you do have to have a passage of time in the story for things to uh, be better and more fleshed out. So I get that. But I also want to see more definite definition and stuff given to these characters and the story. So another cool aspect that showed up... Um, in this first episode was that uh, Admiral Tarkin shows up to this uh, cloning facility in Topoka City and he's there to inspect the troops. He's there to kind of take the situation in and see what needs to change and that's what he's there for. And we find out that he wants to end the cloning program there on Camino, uh, we saw that his distaste for the clones in the Clone Wars, in the episodes that he showed up in. So we know he doesn't like them. And here he's showing up, and he effectively wants to end the the cloning facility, the production of clones and a clone army. His take is a, a normal army where they draft people or get people to sign up and pay them money. That that is the best way to to go, not to create an army. And so there is some conflict between the empire, this newly created empire, and the Kaminoans, because they have a contract in place. 
and they address that. And Tarkin says, well, that was with the Republic and they're, they're gone. There is no more Republic. It's the empire. So therefore the contracts are void. And this scares and threatens the, the Kaminoans cause they're like, well, you know, you basically promised us and paid us or are going to pay us more if we produce this army, but now that's not in effect. So they're, they're, um, Bread and butter are gone now, so they're worried about that. Any thoughts on Tarkin showing up? Well, especially after, you know, we see him in episode four, so we were introduced to him there, and one of my favorite things about the Clone Wars is all of the references to the movies that we see in there, and um, one of those references is we see Tarkin um, being captured by the separatists and the Jedi going to rescue him. So we see that he was very involved. He was an admiral in the Grand Army of the Republic and obviously a very good one because he eventually becomes, you know, the entire, you know, the big the big man in the Empire. He leads the entire Imperial Army as Grand Moff. And seeing him here, you know, kind of overseeing the, uh, like, new imperial army go from the clones to the conscripted soldiers that you know we see in in later episodes it's cool to see this because you see like obviously the the bad batch their allegiance is to the republic but you see uh tarkin having an allegiance more to the the emperor rather than you know a republic or an empire he just wants power i guess like the emperor yeah yeah it was good to see it was good to see him show up in this series uh, i think he disappears after a couple episodes and he was replaced with another guy so it's kind of like a cameo appearance but um yeah, kind of. he it was good to see him <clears throat> and so he he wants the Kaminoans out of the picture and He's the bad bats show up again and he he wants to get rid of them too because to him they're a liability, they're an unknown, they're a threat perhaps. And so he sends them on a mission to Onderon. And we've seen Onderon before in the Clone Wars along with Saw Gerrera and the Rebels. That was it was a big point that different groups around the galaxy were forming these rebel cells to fight back and we see the continuation of, of his story here. So they go, Tarkin sends them to go kill them. They get rid of them. They get there and they realize, Hey, these aren't the bad guys. These are human beings. These are civilians with old people and kids. We're, we're not going to kill them. But, uh, Crosshair does. He, he wants to follow orders. He's still on that good soldiers follow orders kick. So he, there's some conflict there, but they get captured by the, these rebels and they see who they are as people. And they, you know, the bad batch outside of Crosshair really realize, Hey, these, we can't kill these guys. But while they're doing this, there's a probe droid watching them, spying on them. So Tarkin gets this info and he realizes that he really needs to get rid of them because they're not their liability. So they come back <clears throat> to the they come back to Camino and they're immediately captured, put in a cell. Omega's there too. But um, eventually they pull Crosshair out and they take him to get his 
to get a, a mind scan, a brain scan to check on his chip. And you, did you get that part about why they're scanning his chip and what was that all about? So part of the, I guess, point of the Bad Batch is that they're different than all of the other clones. And with the very beginning of this episode, you see that they are different from the other clones in the capacity of their inhibitor chip. We see Crosshair kind of, he doesn't really know what the order is. He just knows that there is an order and it's to kill a Jedi, but he doesn't know why. And he's not all the way there like the normal clones are, but we definitely see Wrecker and Echo, especially because he, we're not sure that he even has a chip with all of his crazy head stuff. Um, and then we have Tech and Hunter. All of them don't even know what the order is. They're, they're not even sure what Order 66 is at all um, and why everyone else is following that. So um, we know that, that Crosshair is a little bit more like the normal clones, the regs, than the rest of the Bad Batch. So the Empire obviously catches wind of that. And they want to see if his inhibitor chip is working. And they find out that it is working, not its full capacity that it should, but it is working and it is making him more allegiant to the Empire. So they do a brain scan and they want to enhance his his inhibitor chip to see if you know they can make him even more allegiant to the Empire. Yeah, which they're able to do. Uh, I think fr from that point on, he, he was still seeing them as friends, I guess, they weren't doing what they were supposed to, and he was frustrated with them, but he was still part of them, I guess, is the, how I saw it. But from this point on, he just kind of changed completely into, okay, those guys are the enemy. They're not following orders, so I need to get rid of them. And so from that point on, um, at least in this episode, we see the power of the the inhibitor chip and how it you know, changes their thought process and their past relationships. And we kind of gain an e even deeper insight into how they were able to turn against the Jedi so quickly after being friends with them. So while he's getting his brain scan with the inhibitor chip and is getting, um, you know, charged up and increased, uh, the rest of the bad batch, they're in the cell with Omega and they're able to escape and they're like, okay, we got to get out of here. Let's go grab crosshair and we'll, we'll escape. And then they say, well, we got to get our gear first because that'll help us because we don't have any weapons or anything or armor. So they go to get their gear, which is in the hangar where the ship is. And so they're there getting their stuff when Crosshair shows up with some shock troopers. And this is the part where he's just, okay, I got to get rid of I got to kill these guys if they don't surrender. And so they're, there's kind of a standoff between Omega and Hunter, kind of an Old West standoff where they're going to who's going to draw first who's going to shoot first oh. <laughs> yeah omega was there but it's crosshair and hunter so yeah um and crosshair shoots first but uh they're able hunter's able to dodge it with his enhanced capabilities so there all of a sudden you know, there's a big firefight between the two groups between crosshair and his shock troopers and the bad batch and ultimately as they're going to escape um, Echo's 
or rather Tex fired up the ship and they're going to go get in it. So Crosshair says, hey, close the blast door so they can't escape, but it's being blocked and they can't close the doors. And we see that it's actually Nala Say who's blocking the doors from being closed. So we see the Kaminoans who are enabling uh, the Bad Batch and Omega to get out of there and not be captured or killed. Um, so while that's going on, while they're getting in the ship, uh, Crosshair has a, a clean shot, but then Omega picks up a blaster and and shoots uh, Crosshair's weapon, so he can't do that. And then the group is allowed to escape in the ship and get out of there. So there are a couple things in this sequence by Omega. First of all, right before Crosshair and the shock troopers show up from behind the closed blast doors, she senses Crosshair's presence. She's like, oh, it's too late, he's here. And so we see that, and then at the end, when she has never fired a blaster, picks it up, and is a crack shot and shoots sharpshooter and shoots the gun, you know, has that capability like Crosshair does. So we see those two things that let us know, Hey, there's something different about Omega. And I don't know what, do you think perhaps she's got all of their capabilities or perhaps she has all the capabilities and she farmed them out to them because she was there uh, watching them grow and in charge of their production, I guess you could say. No, did she give them her part, her her sharpshooting ability to crosshair? Did she give her senses, enhanced senses to Hunter? You know, what do you think, or is something else? I think, you know, that theory is pretty good, uh, especially with her being older than them and seeing them grow. But what I think, I thought a lot about this in just like the duration of the series, is Omega is very open-minded and she always wants to be involved but she's also really curious about everything and she learns everything really quickly so i think her special ability is really just being a natural at everything um you know we saw her fire that blaster and later on in the series we see her um for example become really good or kind of good at fixing things but she also gets this bow where she's taught to shoot it and out of nowhere, she's super good to at using it just in general. Um, and she's also very empathetic towards other people, as we see in the, in the later shows. So I think she just picks up on things easier than most people do. Yeah. Do you think maybe it's a force ability? Honestly, probably. Um, we see that with a couple of other Jedi. They have force senses to be able to be more empathetic towards other people and she has that a lot uh, I'm still not quite convinced that she's a force user but I until they say no there's always a possibility yeah yeah she does have those force type capabilities like Qui-Gon said in episode one you know Anakin can see things before they happen and we kind of got that here so I don't know I think it's a possibility maybe they're trying to come up with a way to genetically recreate force abilities without actually having a strong midichlorian count or, you know, being, being able to tap into the force. Maybe they found a way to do it or they're trying to find a way to do it naturally through genetic engineering. So, but yeah, like we said earlier, we have no idea <laughs> what Omega's story is and what, you know, what her role is going to be in, in the big picture, if any. So, 
But I think that's one of the big questions of this series. You know, who is Omega? What is her role other than just to tag along with the Bad Batch? We can't watch three, four, five seasons of that. That'll get boring pretty quick. Yeah. So she's going to have to. And she started to step up there here and there throughout the season. But I think she needs to become a contributing member of, of this group. And I don't know if she'll be a leader unless Hunter dies at some point, which I could see happening towards the end, kind of like what they did with Kanan in Rebels. But I think she'll be a leader, but not necessarily the leader, as long as Hunter's around. But yeah, so that's a big question of who's who's Omega. Uh, Another question that I really liked, we saw bits and pieces of it throughout the rest of the series, is the conflict between the Empire and the Kaminoans. And, you know, at the end of this first season, the Empire destroys Topoka City and all the cloning facilities. And so, obviously, the Empire wins, but I think we kind of get hints that they've gone into hiding. But that's something that I really liked. It's set up perfectly in this first episode. There's some intrigue where, you know, Nala Say lets them escape, the, the Bad Batch and Omega escape, and then she comes back and tells... Lama Su, the, the prime minister, hey, they were able to get away. And Lama Su's response is, um, well, don't tell the empire that. <laughs> Keep that a secret, basically. What do you think about their this idea of the Kaminoans doing their own thing? And why why would they do that? Well, obviously, the Kaminoans are their own separate people. They had an allegiance to the Republic, but... I think it says in the Clone Wars that their allegiance is to the Republic because the Republic is paying them. And obviously they need money to carry on and do what they do. And we haven't seen much else, actually anything really, of the Kaminoans cloning anything besides, you know, clone troopers. So this is kind of their their livelihood. So they're clinging on to it best they can. And we see that... Lama Su, who's the governor of the Kaminoans, the main leader, is trying to not exactly suck up, but definitely um, stay in good standing with the Empire because the Empire right now is their best hope at staying afloat. But also, Nala Say, the, the lead scientist, has an allegiance to the Kaminoans rather than money. She's in it for the science, and I think that's why she lets the Bad Batch go is because, you know, that's her her pride, basically. That's her creations and basically just her, I don't know. Um, her baby. Yeah, that's, that's hers, um, and that's where her allegiance lies. Yeah, so the last thing she wants to do is destroy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so some interesting intrigue and conflict there. It played out a little bit further on throughout the season, but uh, in the end, the last episode, one of the last scenes we get, it's um, there's a twist to it, and we'll get to that later. But um, yeah, so so a lot of this was a longer episode. It was I think a hour and twenty minutes or so, and so. Uh, it's a pilot episode to introduce. They got to do all these introductions and kind of set the stage for the rest of the season. So um, the rest of the episodes are about 20 minutes or so, so a lot shorter. But 
yeah, so this is episode one, Aftermath. The Aftermath of the Clone Wars is what it is. And some great setup. We didn't cover everything, but um, definitely watch this episode if you haven't or haven't seen it for a while. Some great stuff in this one. So we want to thank you guys for listening to our inaugural episode of The Bad Batch and our review show. And we hope to continue this. We'll finish out the rest of this season over the next couple weeks, few weeks. And if you have any questions or want to comment on what we're saying or want to add your input, feel free to do so. Just email us at podcast at com, and we'll read your email and probably read it on our show and just kind of talk about it. So feel free to do that. We're always want, wanting to engage with our listeners and kind of see what they're thinking and have uh, have the opportunity to, to talk with, with you guys. So we want to thank you guys for participating with us and listening. So we'll catch you next time and may the force be with you. 